The Old Testament reading is Isaiah 52, 7 through 10, and that can be found on page 735 in your Bibles. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. The New Testament reading is John 1, 1 through 14. It's found on page 1062 in your Bibles. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Merry Christmas, Sherman Street. Um, As Tony said earlier, uh, for those of you who might be new to the church calendar, it is still Christmas. It didn't end yesterday. Uh, Christmas is a 12-day feast, and we are only on day two. Um, So Merry Christmas, and we can say it for 10 more days. Um, I do want to, just before I start, I want to take a note to give credit where it's due. A lot of what I'm about to say comes from a preaching professor of ours named Daryl Johnson. Um, He's a great preacher. Anyway, uh, so a few uh, years ago, I went to a Christmas service. It was Christmas Eve service um, at a church that I'd attended when I was younger, um, and I was kind of excited because I didn't, at that time, I didn't often have the opportunity to go to Christmas services. Um, uh, like around Christmas time, I wasn't able to go to church because of like family commitments and stuff. Um, and I also, a couple of my friends had come with me who weren't really Christians. Um, I was just excited to have them there. And the church, they had clearly put a ton of effort into making um, this service meaningful for guests, but did they ever miss the boat? 
Um, the service began with someone in a you know, green Grinch costume reciting Dr. Seuss's story, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, and, like, which just seemed like beside the point. Um, and then later in the service, the worship pastor sang a song about how the house had burned down and the gifts had been burned up, but it was okay because we still had each other. Um, like, maybe I missed it, but I actually don't think they mentioned the incarnation, um, which I found really embarrassing. Like, I was in seminary at the time, and I wanted my friends to know that I had given my life to something that was more significant than a Hallmark ad. I mean, it was like, it was a nice message, uh, but it's not the gospel. It's not what Christmas is about. And we just really need Christmas. In our desperate and dark world, we need Christmas. Like maybe they thought that they had to dress it up. You know, everybody has heard the story in Luke, the young Virgin Mary giving birth to a baby in a manger. So maybe they thought that it couldn't compete with everyone around us celebrating the snow, with the snow and the pretty lights and the family time and Christmas music and hot chocolate and sledding and lots and lots of presents. I love all those things about this season. I love them. I love the coziness associated with it. And it does feel like a celebration, and it should. But Christmas is so much more than all of that. It's not about sleigh bells jingling or chestnuts roasting on an open fire or Santa or presents. It's not even about family. It is about the almighty, everlasting God putting on flesh and coming near to us. Entering into our weakness, our vulnerability, our suffering, walking our streets, breathing our air, and feeling our pain. And for some of you, I bet you've heard, you have heard the Christmas story so many times that you kind of tune out without meaning to, like it just uh, kind of goes past you. And like, really, the presents and the music are much more accessible. Like, it's just easier to enjoy them. But for the sake of this broken world and for each of our broken hearts, we need Christmas. And that's why this passage at the beginning of John's Gospel is such a gift to us. It sounds like mysterious and magical. It takes us behind the story. It draws us into the wonder of what we celebrate with all, with all the to-do at Christmas. You know, our Christmas feast lasts 12 days because it's about the greatest miracle that has ever, ever happened. God stooping low to be with us, to show God's self to us in a way that we could understand, to extend love to us, to save us in and through Jesus. And John talks about that, all of that, in a very strange way in this passage. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word, it's a strange name to give Jesus. And John is speaking to both Jews and Greeks here. So, and the Word, for each of those groups, the Word, you know, that phrase, the Word, uh, would have meant very different things to each of them. For the Jews, 
God's word is how God is revealed through history. God spoke. John begins the gospel with the words, in the beginning, which draws us back to the very first words in the Bible, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made all there is with words. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one lit place and let dry land appear, and it was so. And God said, let the land produce vegetation, and it was so. God spoke this world into being. The creation of this world happened through the word of God, which John says too in verse three, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. All that we know in this world, without even one exception, came into being through the word. If you've ever marveled at a sunset or the miracle of a seed becoming a plant or at childbirth, you know firsthand that God is revealed in God's creation. And all of it came through God's spoken word. God's word also comes powerfully through the rest of the Old Testament, right? The psalmist sings that as God, of God's word as a teacher, a guide, and a delight. Your, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Or the prophets shout, this is the word of the Lord, as they cry out against injustice, as they condemn evil, as they promise life from the hand of God. God reveals God's self through the word. Just as you reveal your character through the words that you speak, so does God. And so when Christ comes, the image of the invisible God making our picture of God crystal clear, John calls him the Word. God's Word, God's speech, God's self-revealing talk became flesh and dwelled among us. The author of Hebrews says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. God has spoken to us by his Son. The Word become flesh. This is how we see God. This is how we know God. We look at Jesus the word of God, the word made flesh, and we watch him befriend sinners and welcome outsiders and heal the broken and strengthen the weary and rejoice at weddings and invite children onto his knee and refuse, refuse the violence and coercion of this world even unto death. No one has ever seen God but the Son, the word, has made him known. This is the mystery of the incarnation. This is the mystery of Christmas. For the Greeks who are reading John's gospel, the word would have struck a very different chord. Greek philosophers used the word logos, that's the Greek, the Greek word that we have there, 
in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God, they would have used the word Logos to describe the pulse of the natural order. The underlying principle that holds the universe together. The Logos is what makes the world work. And it was, according to the Greeks, the essential order of things. We get the word logic from logos. The logos was the logic inherent in everything. For the Greek philosopher, the logos is why there are laws of nature, why things are regular and dependable and not just chaotic. It is the fundamental logic of the universe, the reason behind everything. So when John says, in the beginning was the Logos, the Greeks are with him. They're tracking. Of course, John is about to tell us about the universe, they might say, our entire existence. But he goes on, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God, and that might have cocked a few heads. But then comes the real shocker. He was with God in the beginning. Not it but he. The Logos, John says, is not a principle or an idea, but a person. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. The Logos, the unifying force that flows through everything, took on flesh and dwelt among us. The universe is not held together by principle and law, but by a person, by relationship, by love. The universe is not cold and impersonal. And Christians believe that at the heart of everything, the most fundamental truth about this world is love. You know, we become so used to speaking with God in prayer, talking glibly about God, that we forget how big, how different God is from us. That God is spirit. We forget how shocking it is that God would take on flesh. The Greek logos and the Jewish word take on flesh in the person of Christ. Do you know what that means? Like, I don't, really. It's too big. You know, it's too mysterious. It's something that you can't explain in like a three-point sermon. We need to sit in it and let it flow over us. We need to wonder at it, to marvel at it. Like Mary, the first to hear how this would happen, we need to treasure it up in our hearts. The Logos and the Word come together in this passage to tell us something incredible about the love of God, about the nature of the universe, and about ourselves. When we look at Christ, the Word and the Logos, we can see God. Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father, God's own Word spoken to us. He is the image of the invisible God. And our little minds like, can't conceive of a being who is spirit. 
who is three persons in one, who is almighty, who holds all things together. And since we're not perfect, we also can't really imagine what perfection is. Like, not really. So in Christ, God made God's self manageable for us. God became knowable. So great was God's love that God forever changed. God took on flesh that we might know him. When we look at Christ, we can see God clearly, and we can see everything else more clearly, too. Um, From Jesus, we can see that at the heart of the universe is not karma, it's not tit for tat or eye for an eye, it's not what goes around comes around, it's not accident or emptiness. Jesus shows us that at the heart of the universe, in the underlying logic of things, is grace, compassion, love. It's peace, generosity, vulnerability. These things aren't wishy-washy sentimentalism. They're more like physics. They are the essence of the thing, the way the whole thing works. Which explains why when we disregard them, we reap destruction. Right? To ourselves, to ourselves, to our communities, to the world. Everything was made through him. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. The glory of God runs through everything, including you. And when you look at Christ, you can see yourself more clearly too. Because Jesus is humanity as it was meant to be. His perfection, his grace, his love, they are humanity whole. Living in perfect relationship with the Father and with other people. Jesus is the logos, the logic of the universe, the word of God. And so the extent that we live like him, we are our truest selves. And to the extent that we live contrary to him, we are fighting against our own being. Christ reveals all of this to us. Through him, we can see clearly God and the world and ourselves. It's not surprising then that John goes on to say, in him is the life, and the life was the light of all people. True life deep and meaningful life, life everlasting, life to the full can only be lived in line with Christ, the word, the logos. Anything else fights against its own self. Like that's what we call sin, anything contrary to the word. It's not, like sin is not just something that the church made up to make people feel guilty. Sin is the sickness that keeps us living in darkness and death. rather than the life and light that we were created for, that we see in Christ. At Christmas, we celebrate the Logos and the word of God being born into the world. 
We celebrate a vulnerable, poor, refugee baby who will show us ourselves and the world and who will show us God. His poverty questions our longing for riches. His vulnerability questions our obsession with safety. His humility questions our thirst for power. His love questions our fear and our selfishness. And his death and resurrection make a way for us to live a new and everlasting life as our true selves. In line with the word of God and the logic of the universe. And it's all well and good to celebrate family and winter and presence and coziness. But in this world where relationships fracture and break, where we suffer anxiety and depression and loneliness, where injustice corrupts every system, thank God that Christmas is more than that. Now this has been a hard couple of years and we don't know what 2022 will bring. But whatever you are facing this Christmas season, know this. Your God has come to you to show you the way, to help you to walk in it, to guide you into light and life. Your God, the Word, the Lagos has not forsaken you in this mess of a place. Quite the opposite, actually. God has stepped into the mess. God has done the most remarkable thing to bend the arc of the universe toward justice with his own human hands. For unto us a child is born, a son has been given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Today we celebrate that a light, the light of Christ, shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Thanks be to God.